Suratul Qalam. Suratul Qalam is a Makki surah, and the surah begins with Noon. And Noon is of Huruf Muqatta'at, the disjointed letters that appear at the beginning of some surahs of the Qur'an. And Suratul Qalam is the last surah of the Qur'an that begins with the Huruf Muqatta'at. Here, of course, we have only one half, and this is the case. Some Huruf Muqatta'at, they come in sets of five. So five Huruf are mentioned together. In other places, four Huruf are mentioned together. In other places, three. In other places, two. And there are three surahs of the Qur'an that begin with only one Harf Muqatta'at. And that is Surat Noon. Then which other one? Surat Qaf and Surat Sad. So this is one of those surahs. And as I mentioned earlier, this is the last surah of the Qur'an that begins with the Huruf Muqatta'at. The surah's name is Al-Qalam. And what is the Qalam? Qalam is the pen. And what does the pen symbolize? Writing. That things are recorded. In the previous surah, Surah Al-Mulk, we were reminded of the fact that we belong to Allah and that we are in His mulk. And here we see Al-Qalam, everything is written. And you know what this reminds us of is that we are so deceived. You know, we think we are free. We think we can do whatever we please. We think we can do whatever we want. But that's not the case. We might think we are free, but we are in Allah's mulk. We might think we are free, but everything we do, say, is being recorded. So how could we feel that we are free? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Noon. Wal-Qalami wa ma yasturoon. Noon. This is of the huruf muqatta'at. Wal-Qalami. By the qalam. By the pen. Wa ma yasturoon. And by that which yasturoon they write. They inscribe. By the pen. And by that which they write. Yasturun is from the word satara. And satara is to draw lines. And from this the word is used for writing. So this is not yaktubun. Yaktubun is also to write. But yasturun is to write in straight lines, in an organized, orderly fashion. So here an oath is being taken by two things. Firstly, the pen. And secondly, the act of writing. Or that which is written. And remember that whenever an oath is taken, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath in the Qur'an by a particular object, then the purpose is to make that object a proof, a witness to what is going to be mentioned later. So here, an oath is taken by the pen and that which is written, meaning writing, and what is being established, that مَا أَنْتَ بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ بِمَجْنُونَ That you, O Prophet wasallam, are not at all insane by the blessing of your Lord. People may call you insane, but you are not insane at all. And what is the proof of that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions two things as proof of the Prophet wasallam's truthfulness. And what are those two things? Firstly, the pen, and secondly, writing. Now the pen, which pen is this? Some have said that this pen is referring to the first pen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. And as we learn from the hadith, that the Prophet ﷺ said that the first thing Allah created was the pen. 
And he said to it, write. And the pen asked, what should I write, my Lord? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, write whatever is decreed about everything until the last hour comes. So, Al-Qalam, the first pen, ma yasturun, that which they write, meaning the writing. And who is they referring to? This can refer to the angels, this can refer to people, this can refer to anybody. Yasturun, they write, meaning the act of writing. So here we see that firstly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by the pen. Now, remember that when Allah takes an oath by something, yes, there is a reason behind it, right? But it also shows us the importance of that object near Allah. That Allah is taking an oath by it. Allah has taken an oath by the pen. What does that tell us about the pen? Is it something ordinary? No. It is something that holds great importance in the sight of Allah. Now, from the hadith also we see that the pen is an ancient tool. Isn't it? It's the first thing that Allah created. It's so ancient, so old. It's there from the beginning. And it shows how incredibly important the pen is. And how it is deserving of respect. That firstly, we must use the pen. We must use the pen. And of course the pen, what does that symbolize? Writing. That we must use it to write. Right? And of course, using it to scribble and all, that's not the intention. Right? Because many use the pen, many write, but what they write is worthless. What they write is useless. What this teaches us is that the pen must be used. That the one who has the ability to use the pen to write something useful, then they must write with it. Allah takes an oath by it. Now, for many people, you know, when they read this, they say, okay, the pen is very important, it's very special, and they'll respect the pen a lot. Right? And yes, out of respect for the pen, they will not put it on the ground, or they will ensure that they don't put it on their foot or anything like that, because Allah has taken an oath by the pen. So it should be respected. And yes, that is true. But what we should focus on is the use of the pen. Are we writing something that is worth reading? And the pen or the ability to write that Allah has given us, what are we writing with it? Are we writing garbage with it? Are we writing useless things with it? Are we writing things that will be a burden on others, that will be a source of grief for others? That will be a source of problems for others? Or are we writing things that will be a source of relief and help and knowledge and wisdom for people? What are we going to write? Noon وَالْقَلَمِ وَمَا يَسْطُرُونَ And that which they write, what is being proven through this oath? That مَا أَنْتَ You are not. You as in the Prophet ﷺ. You are not بِنِعْمَةِ by the blessing رَبِّكَ of your Lord, meaning because of the blessing that your Lord has bestowed upon you, you are not majnoon. You are not at all majnoon. Who is majnoon? Majnoon from Jannah, the verb Jannah, jim noon with the Shadda and Fatha on it. It means to cover. So majnoon is someone whose intellect has been covered. So the word majnoon is used to refer to somebody who is insane or somebody who is possessed by a jinn because it's as if their intellect, their mind is covered. So 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defends His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa over here. Because people said about him that he had gone mad. That he had become insane. That he had lost his sanity because of which he was reciting the Qur'an. And he was telling people to leave their idols and worship Allah alone. Tawheed was like insanity to the mushrikeen of Makkah. And we see that to many people, truth is what? What is truth? They find truth very illogical. They find truth, they find haq very illogical. They think that it's crazy talk, it's insane. So Allah defends His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. مَا أَنْتَ بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ بِمَجْنُونَ And notice how the proof is the pen and writing, knowledge. And it is through ilm that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's truthfulness is known. And people with knowledge, real knowledge, they would always find the Prophet ﷺ to be true. And those who call him majnoon, then what does that mean? They are ignorant themselves. They have not really learned anything. Because we see that there are people, even today, even today, people who have some level of knowledge, and what will they recognize the Prophet ﷺ as? As a truthful man. Not a madman. مَا أَنْتَ بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ بِمَجْنُونَ So those who deny him, those who call him a madman, they are themselves ignorant. They lack knowledge. Because if they had any knowledge, then they would never call Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam majnoon. In Surah Hijr, ayah 6, Allah says, وَقَالُوا يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِي نُزِّلَ عَلَيْهِ الذِّكْرِ إِنَّكَ لَمَجْنُونَ They would say, Oh you, upon whom the dhikr has been revealed, you are majnoon. In Surah Al-Takweer, Ayah 22, Allah says, وَمَا صَاحِبُكُمْ بِمَجْنُونَ Your companion is not majnoon. وَإِنَّ لَكَ لَأَجْرًا غَيْرَ مَمْنُونَ And indeed for you is surely a reward that is غَيْرَ mamnoon, That is never going to be cut off. It's endless. It is going to be uninterrupted. Eternal reward for you. Just think about this. Has anyone said anything rude to you? Anything mean? Yeah? I'm sure this has happened. Maybe this morning somebody said something really mean to you. Maybe yesterday, maybe over the week. How did you feel? How did you feel? Did you feel hurt? Or no? You have no feelings? Did you feel sad? Yeah. Now, People who hurt us, who call us bad names, or who, you know, say mean things to us, okay, they say it in our house, or they say it, you know, somewhere in the school maybe, or at work, and what? What they say doesn't really matter. Because they said it, and tomorrow it will be forgotten. Right? But when the mushrikeen of Makkah called the Prophet ﷺ majnoon, then you know who it is that was calling him majnoon? It was the leaders amongst them. It was the elite. And whatever they said, spread like wildfire. So if they called him Majnoon, guess what everybody else was calling him? Majnoon. Not just the people of Makkah. Makkah was the hub, the main center. People would come for Hajj from all over Arabia. So everybody that is coming is being told, there is a Majnoon over here, don't listen to him. You think that would hurt the Prophet ﷺ? He was a human being. 
someone who was known to be as-sadiq al-amin someone who had a beautiful excellent reputation since the beginning now he's being portrayed as a majnoon not just by a man or two but by the entire population imagine how the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam must have been feeling and remember i mentioned to you this is a makki surah and it's one of the early makki surahs you can tell from the style the verses are short so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa inna laka la ajran they call you majnoon No, no, you're not majnoon. They can say whatever they say. Their saying does not make you majnoon. Their calling you majnoon will not make you majnoon. And for you is a great reward. Endless reward. غَيْرَ mamnoon. Mamnoon is from the verb manna. And manna is to cut something off. That's the literal meaning of the word manna. From this the word man is also used for a favor. So غَيْرَ mamnoon means one that will never be cut off. One that will never be cut off. Endless reward. Now, this is a Makki surah. And right at the beginning of the Prophet ﷺ's mission, he is assured of an endless reward. Look at how clear the statement is. You will certainly, definitely, surely have endless reward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assures him of this reward right at the beginning of his mission. And You see, this is what brings sabr to a person, patience to a person. When you believe in Allah's promises. When you believe in Allah's promises, then you can be patient, despite the difficulty, despite the hardship. And if you look at it, the Prophet ﷺ, certainly he was given, he is given an endless reward. If you think about it, in this world even, every time a Muslim prays salah, What do they have to say in tashahud? Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Every single salah, whether it is fad, sunnah, nafl, you have to say it. Isn't it? At the beginning of the time of prayer, what is said in the adhan? Ashhadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah. People deny him, and here is the mu'adhin saying out loud, Ashhadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah. Right? And we see that so many people praise him. The angels send salat upon him. Allah says in Surah Al-Ahzab that إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِي That Allah and His angels send blessings upon the Messenger ﷺ. Now, besides that also, if you think about it, how many people follow the Prophet ﷺ? How many? So many. Have you ever taught anybody, maybe a child, you've taught them a dua, or maybe a surah of the Qur'an, and then you hear them reciting it, and then your heart you feel, inshallah, every time they recite it, I'm going to get ajr. There is not an ayah of the Qur'an that is recited, except that Rasulullah wasallam gets its ajr also. Because who passed it on? Who received it and passed it on? It was the Prophet wasallam. His sunnah is followed. When? How? When people go to sleep. Isn't it? So many people when they go to sleep, on their right, say their adhkar. Correct? Upon waking up, rubbing their eyes, and upon eating with the right hand, drinking in three sips. After eating, adhkar. You know, even when it comes to entering the masjid with the right foot in, Where did we learn all of this from? From who? 
from the Prophet ﷺ. Imagine the sadaqa jariyah. It's unmatched. Unmatched. وَإِنَّ لَكَ لَأَجْرًا غَيْرَ مَمْنُونَ These people say hateful words. They hurt you by the words that they say. You don't need to worry. Because for you is an endless reward. And as Allah says in Surah Al-Duha, وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى that the hereafter shall be better for you than the first life. In this world, yes, we see so much good continuing because of the Prophet ﷺ. So much praise for him, his name exalted, so much good. But in the hereafter is a reward that is far greater than the reward that Allah has given him in this world. وَإِنَّ لَكَ لَأَجْرًا غَيْرَ مَمْنُونَ and those who follow the Prophet ﷺ in his way, in which way? Of being patient, of calling people to Allah, and being patient in the face of hardship, in the face of difficulty, then for them is similar reward also. In Surah At-Teen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ فَلَهُمْ أَجْرٌ فَلَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ that those who believe and do righteous deeds, then for them is also what? A reward that is endless. What does this show to us then? That the greater the patience of a person in Allah's way, the greater their reward will be. وَإِنَّ لَكَ لَأَجْرًا غَيْرَ مَمْنُونَ وَإِنَّكَ And indeed you, لَعَلَى Surely upon, meaning you are surely upon, Khuluqin, moral character, that is alim, that is great. They call you majnoon, insane, whereas your character is so great. Who is praising the character of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Who is? Allah is. You know, there are many people who will attest to the good moral character of an individual. They will say, oh yeah, I know that man, I know that lady, I know that sister, I know that brother. They have amazing akhlaq. And you don't know whether they're really being honest about it or not. Isn't it? Because they might have some hidden agenda. Right? Or maybe they think that that individual has great akhlaq because that's all they've seen. They haven't seen them in their house. They haven't seen them while they're traveling. They haven't seen them when they're unwell, when they're in difficulty. Right? So they don't really know if that individual really has good akhlaq or not. Who knows? Who knows what our akhlaq really is? Who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says about His Messenger that وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ This is Allah's testimony. وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا Who can be more truthful than Allah in speech? Allah is saying that you are upon لَعَلَى Upon خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Great خُلُق Look at this word عَلَى Because عَلَى What does it signify? Over When you're on top of something that means you've got it You've mastered it You've perfected it What happens with us? We think we've got sabr but then what happens? One thing and there goes. We think we've got our anger in control, but then what happens? We haven't really mastered our anger management skills. 
right? We think we have become very generous, but we haven't really mastered our generosity. We think we have good character, but when we are put in difficulty, the reality comes forth. Allah says, إِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ You've mastered it, you've perfected it. What is khuluq? One is the khalq of a person. Khalq, their physical form. What you can see. The physical, the tangible. And the other is the khuluq. The character. The person inside. That is not physical in the sense that you can't really touch, you can't really see with your eyes, but you feel, you perceive. So khalq is what you see in the other through your basar, through your vision. Right? Through your eyes. Okay, they're this tall. Right? This is their complexion. This is how their eyes are. This is how they walk, etc. What you can see with your eyes in the other. This is khalq. And khuluq is what you perceive through your basira. What you feel, what you experience when you deal with them. Their manner of speech. Their manner of dealing with you. And remember that khuluq is just like khalq. What is, you know, khalq, it's who you are. Khuluq is the character that a person has. Khuluq is the character that a person has. That's who they are. It's not what we fake and what we pretend. Because yes, at times we can pretend that we're very soft-spoken. That's not our khuluq. At times we can pretend that we are very forgiving. That's not our khuluq. Khuluq is the character which is part of the person. It's a part of them. So they don't have to pretend. They don't have to fake it anymore. Allah says, your khuluq is azim. So why an endless reward for the Prophet ﷺ? Because his character was the most superior. His character was the best. And the highlight of his character was what? His sabr, his patience in the face of difficulties. That how he showed tolerance. He showed forgiveness. And this is something that he didn't just observe in Makkah. This is something that he continued with even after the hijrah. Even when he gained victories in Allah's way. Even when he conquered Makkah. Did he not show forgiveness? He did. He said, لَا تَثْرِيبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْيَوْمُ Today, there is no blame on you. He said to his enemies. In Medina, what happened? In the battle of Uhud, when the Sahaba made such a huge mistake, if there was any other leader, they would have reamed their disciples out completely. But the Prophet ﷺ, how was he? Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 159, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ you were lenient with them. وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيدَ الْقَلْبِ And if you were harsh, if you were crude, if you were mean and hard-hearted, what would happen? لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ The people would have gone away from you. But did they go away from him? No, they would run to him because his character was beautiful. وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Because for many people what happens is that in some situations they can be really nice. Really nice. But when the situation changes, when things get difficult, or when they get too easy, when they get a certain level of power or control, then what happens to them? What happens? They become completely different. I remember a lady once came to me and she was having issues with her daughter-in-law and she's like, I don't know what's wrong with us. We're perfectly fine women. As soon as a daughter-in-law comes, we become like 
something something happens to us i mean this was really great of this lady that she was acknowledging that something had changed within her and it was not okay and she was willing to correct herself but this is very natural that as soon as our circumstances change our behavior also changes we get a little bit of money we're just carrying a nicer bag right or we just got our degree we just got a better job what happens we think we are the best dressed in a group of people what happens to our attitude what happens to the way that we talk the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's akhlaq was always beautiful always when he gained something and when he lost something when he had so many followers and when there were only a few people around him always his akhlaq was always good and this is something that we need to check on also on ourselves now when we look at the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam how was his akhlaq allah testifies to his great moral character here what about the people around him what did they say about the character of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam khadija radiyallahu anha what did she say to him when he received the first revelation and he came home scared worried and he said i'm afraid for myself and what did khadija radiyallahu anha say she said no allah will never ever allow you to be humiliated why because you are good in this way and you are good in that way and you are good in this way and what are those things that she mentioned that you take care of the needy you carry the burden of others you are truthful in your speech allah will never never humiliate you she testified to his good character those of us who are married over here can our spouse testify to our good character now what happens before khadija radiyallahu anha we see zaid radiyallahu anhu hmm? who was a slave in the house of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his family found him in makkah they came and they want to take him home what does the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam say ask him it's his choice let him make the decision and what did zaid radiyallahu anhu say i want to stay with who with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam imagine he was willing to remain a slave for the rest of his life and this is before prophethood he was willing to do that why because of the character of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it was so beautiful that even a slave wanted him you know he wanted to remain his slave after that day what happened the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam set him free and declared him as his son which was of course later abrogated as we know so we see zaid radiyallahu anhu choosing him now let's move to medina who was of the closest people to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when somebody asked the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam who do you love the most what did he say aisha radiyallahu anha what did she say about his character kana khuluquhul quran his manners his khuluq it was the quran meaning what you read in the quran you will find in the character of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you will see it in action in the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his manners in his dealings okay wife what about a servant what did the servant say anas radiyallahu anhu was 10 years old when he was brought to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so basically 
very soon, within three years, he was a teenager. Or two years, you could say. Right? He was a teenager. And he spent his teens serving the Prophet ﷺ. You can imagine, for a child that age, you know, there would be difficulties dealing with them. What did Anas say? He said, I served the Prophet ﷺ for 10 years. And he never said a word of displeasure to me. You know, we complain a lot. These teenagers, so bad. What's wrong with them? Right? Many mothers complain. But we need to see, how do we speak to the teenagers? If there is a teenager that you know of, 13, 14, 15, maybe they live in your house, maybe they're your son or your daughter, and you complain, you're upset about their manners, think about how you talk to them. Do you say oof to them? Do you say words of displeasure to them? We can, we are worried about the akhlaq of our children. What about our akhlaq? What about our akhlaq? How do we talk to them? Anas is saying, the Prophet ﷺ never said a word of displeasure to me. Nor did he ever say to me concerning something I had done, why did you do that? Mothers, how often do you say that to your children? Boys and girls, why did you do that? Kyun kiya tha? Right in Urdu? Why did you do that? He never said that to me. And he never said to me concerning something I had not done, why didn't you do this? Kyun kiya? He never said that. Why didn't you do this? He had the best character. The Prophet ﷺ servant is saying this. What about his companions? What did they say? Jabir anhu said, the Prophet ﷺ never said no in response to any question. Meaning if somebody asked him of something, he never said no. He wouldn't say it. What about us? When we are asked, can I go here? Or may I have this? May I eat this? No, 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 no. All the time, no. The Prophet ﷺ was who? وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And if we truly love him, and if we love Allah, then we have to follow the way of the Prophet ﷺ. We have to follow his way, not just in ritual worship. We have to follow his way, even in the way that we deal with people. Even in the manner that we talk. Even in akhlaq. Because those who possess good character will be closest to the Prophet ﷺ on the Day of Judgment. He himself said that the dearest and nearest among you to me on the Day of Judgment will be the one who is the best of you in manners. The person who will be the dearest and nearest to the Prophet ﷺ on the Day of Judgment will be who? Who? The one who has the best of manners. And the most abhorrent among you to me, and the farthest of you from me, will be who? Those of bad character. And he gave certain descriptions. And one of the things that he said was, mutafaiqihun. Such people will be the most far from me, most distant from me. So the Sahaba asked that, who are the mutafaiqihun? And he replied, the arrogant ones. Because bad character... You could sum it up in what? Arrogance. Arrogance is basically bad character. Because out of arrogance, a person will 
ask things like, why did you do this? Why didn't you listen to me? Right? Say words of displeasure and things like that. And we see that our ibadah also, what does that teach us? Good character. Salah. What does salah do? In the Quran, Allah says that in salata tanha anil fahshai wal munkar. Salah prohibits a person from indecency and wrongdoing. Indecency in speech, showing anger, things like that. Salah stops a person. Fasting, what does that teach us? Patience and self-control. Zakat, what does that teach us? Generosity, thinking about others and not just thinking about ourselves. وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ You are indeed upon great moral character. And for this, the Prophet ﷺ is given an endless reward. And the thing is that people who have good akhlaq, then yes, they accumulate the riches of this world and the hereafter. Because think about it, who do you like to speak to? Who? Who do you like in general? People who are mean? People in whose presence you feel threatened? No. People who are good in their character. Their, their positive energy, it kind of pulls you. So those who observe good akhlaq, then they accumulate a lot of good in this life and the next. And those who become selfish, they get offended over little things. And then they keep grudges in their heart and they get vengeful over minor issues. Then they are deprived of good in this life and the next. You know, one part of good character is showing forgiveness. Right? And when you forgive someone, who benefits? Who benefits? You do. And if you refuse to forgive someone, then who will suffer? You will suffer. Not just emotionally, but even physically. You're constantly in stress. So your stress hormones are always, you know, on overdrive. So imagine what's happening to your body. You're hurting yourself. Bad akhlaq, you know, grouchy face and getting offended and irritated over every little thing and not letting go of, you know, that anger and keeping that anger. You're hurting yourself. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. When we keep anger inside ourselves and refuse to forgive other people, what are we doing? It's as if we are drinking poison and we're thinking, we're expecting that if we drink it, the other person's going to die. No, they're not going to die. You will die. You're hurting yourself. The Prophet ﷺ, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ 